Hi, and welcome to this week's LGBT Wellness Podcast. Each week, LGBT HealthLink, a program of Centerlink, brings you a roundup of some of the biggest LGBTQ wellness stories from the past week. Get ready to listen and learn lots. Hi, this is Corey here to bring you this week's edition of the LGBT Wellness Roundup. If you would like to read more about any of the stories we're about to discuss, you can find the written version of this week's roundup on our blog, which is at blog.lgbthealthlink.org. In our first story, PrEP use varies greatly by race and ethnicity. Researchers with the CDC found that knowledge and use of PrEP, the HIV prevention treatment, grew significantly between 2014 and 2017 among urban men who have sex with men. Those aware of PrEP during that time climbed from 60 to 90 percent, which is a pretty big increase, while usage jumped even more from 6 percent to 35 percent. However, men of color who are more at risk for HIV were less likely than white men to use PrEP. And for black men, this was true even after controlling for factors like income and region. Specifically, 42% of urban white men who had sex with men used PrEP by 2017, while 30% of urban Latinx queer men had done so, and only 26% of urban black queer men had. This really reinforces the need to have targeted interventions towards queer people of color, especially because they're already facing a higher burden of HIV. That disparity is only going to grow if they're not able to take advantage of new treatment uh, and prevention options like PrEP. Next up, microdosing grows more popular. NBC News reported on the growing number of non-binary individuals who are seeking low doses of hormones to help them achieve a more androgynous appearance. Little research has been done on the practice, known as microdosing, as studies have typically focused on using hormones to achieve characteristics along a binary male-female line. The article also quoted Dr. Tri Doe, an internist and assistant professor at the University of California, San Francisco, in saying, There's this kind of assumption with transgender individuals that everyone should get surgery and everyone should get hormones to become as male or female as possible, and that's simply not true. Next up, queer women at risk for binge drinking. Researchers found that sexual minority women were more likely than other women to report binge drinking at two to three times the standard cutoff level for safe consumption, according to national data. On the other hand, sexual minority men were only as or even less likely to report such drinking than were other men. The results suggest sexual minority women are particularly in need of intervention to prevent and respond to binge drinking. Interestingly, the results vary depending on whether one looks at sexual orientation as an attraction, behavior, or identity. And they also varied with respect to the severity of the binge drinking. So it wasn't completely obvious, uh, based on the data, whether bisexual or lesbian women were more at risk, because both groups faced higher risks in some areas, depending on how you define their orientation. And this is uh, just a good reminder of how complicated it can be to define sexual orientation and how important it is to clearly define that however one decides to in research. But regardless of how you slice it, it was clear that sexual minority women based on all three of these factors of behavior and attraction and identity, uh, we're more at risk in this case for binge drinking. 
In our next story, Exploring Cancer Care for Trans Patients. Oncology nurse advisor explored the need of trans people with respect to cancer care. While noting that data is limited because transgender identity is not collected in national cancer registries, the article says that trans people may not be aware of the risks that they face, and unfortunately, neither are all of their providers, and this makes them less likely to undergo potentially life-saving screenings. The article calls for more training, as well as for the creation of more welcoming, affirming medical environments so that trans folks feel comfortable going to their doctors, talking to them honestly, and seeking care in general. Next up, behavioral health among bi and gay adults. A study found that bisexual individuals faced higher levels of major depressive episodes than did both their heterosexual peers and their gay and lesbian peers. Bi folks reported lifetime prevalences of 30.5% among men and 35.5% among women. The study also looked at alcohol and illicit drug abuse or dependency, in which gay males had the highest rates. Specifically, 14% of gay males reported alcohol abuse or dependence, and 12.5% reported illicit drug abuse or dependence. Interestingly, while on the whole, men reported more drug and alcohol abuse than did women, when it comes to bisexual adults, this flipped. Bisexual women reported higher drug and alcohol abuse than did bisexual men. And in our final story for the week, a queer women's fund becomes a national first. The Bay Area reporter shared that California has just established a $17.5 million fund for lesbian, bisexual, and queer women's health equity. This new fund, which passed in the state's annual budget and is the first of its kind in the nation, will provide a new dedicated funding stream for service providers interested in advancing queer women's health in the Golden State. That concludes this week's edition of the LGBT Wellness Roundup. If you're interested in reading more about any of the stories we've discussed today, you can find a written version of this roundup on our blog, which is available at blog.lgbthealthlink.org. And there you can also find the entire back catalog of the roundups that we've been producing online for the past several years. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll tune in again next week.